For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Dave DeFore, who covers the NBA for The Athletic. You can hear him all over The Athletic Podcast Network, covering the Nuggets, covering the Mavericks. He's on the Daily Ding, of course. And we're going to dive into the NBA. we got a big picture to look at as far as some of the best storylines. Kevin Durant returns, James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins playing alongside Steph Curry. Luka Doncic's odds as a potential MVP in his third season in the NBA. All stuff we can talk about with Dave DeFore, who joins me next. It's Wednesday. December 23rd. It is my pleasure to welcome in Dave DeFore. He covers the NBA for The Athletic. You can read him here on The Athletic. You can also hear him on The Athletic Podcast Network. Dave, it's great to have you on. Talking some NBA basketball, dude, are you hyped for it because it's here? Or are you like, dude, we just left the last season? Okay, so that's a tough question to answer because obviously, like, you know, I love basketball. So anytime basketball is back, it's great. And in particular because... Kevin Durant's coming back and Steph Curry's coming back. There's all these guys that we haven't seen for nine months. You know, there are children that were conceived and have been born (laughs) since the last time we got to see these guys play basketball. So, yes, I'm pumped for that. But as somebody who works covering the league, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted. But I don't want to complain because, you know, a lot of people have a lot worse. But, yeah, I'm ready. I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I I was watching Steph Curry play. Of course I'm pumped. He comes out and he's on fire, and it's funny because the initial reaction I had about Steph coming out is he's even threes. He played five games all last year, didn't score more than 26 points, didn't make more than four three-pointers, and he did that like on a whim in his first game back. But what alarmed me is like how quickly it seemed that guys on the floor forgot the damage Steph Curry can do when he doesn't even <laughs> touch the ball. I was thinking about this. There was an inbound play where they just totally forget Kelly Oubre's out on the wing because like four or five guys collapse on Steph Curry. He impacts the game so greatly without touching the basketball. You know, he's got more gravity than the sun. He's literally Shaquille O'Neal, but playing at the three-point line. That's the only other guy that has affected the geometry of the court the way that Steph Curry does. It's funny because think about at his peak. How many times a game would he just get lost by the defense? The defense just would not know where Steph Curry was. And, and we would all say, how do you do that? And it's because Steph is so good at keeping himself moving. And, and he looks great. That guy looks in as good a shape as he's been in in three years. He looks incredible. He looks fast. Obviously, he's ready to start gunning. But when you've got a guy like Oubre and Wiggins, you've got some athletes out there around him, they're going to be able to take advantage of all that space. I think it's going to take about two weeks before the league really remembers that Steph Curry is just you know an assassin. It's funny, every time you mention a player now, and you just said it there about Andrew Wiggins, it's like, you talk. this is what's exciting about the NBA. Because it's such a superstar league, every player almost spawns a conversation about a storyline and how you would rank the ladder of storylines coming in. I look at the storylines with the Warriors and with Klay Thompson going out, with what the Warriors are going to need in that second unit off the bench, and we saw it a little bit in that Kings preseason game, or lack thereof, they need Andrew Wiggins to be an offensive weapon. And when he goes 4-12 from the field like he did in that Kings game, you start to see why people, despite him being a guy who's average 20 a game for his career start to call him I don't know that he's a bust but he doesn't seem to be the phenom that people thought he was going to be coming out of college what do you make of Andrew Wiggins and maybe the upside he's got this year for the Warriors well he's a bust for two reasons and two reasons only he was drafted first and he's making the money that he makes if you look at what he does he's fine he's like an average NBA player it's just that people too often look at these guys like it's a 25 million dollar contract out there dribbling a basketball I think that number one, and I've tried to do this as best I can, separate that contract from the player and the production. 
And I know that it's easy for me as an analyst to say that. Teams have to think about that. You know, how much production am I getting per dollar? But I don't. So I don't. So when I look at Andrew Wiggins, certainly he makes a lot of money. And, you know, if you're building a team, you hope that you're getting more production. But the Warriors don't care about that money. It's just money to them. They traded D'Angelo Russell for him. So they traded their own distressed asset for Minnesota's distressed asset. I think they got the better asset because there are still things that Wiggins does that he does well, one of which is scoring. He is good at scoring. It may not be efficient, but he can score. And I think that this team needs a guy like that, that you can just say, hey, we need you to go out and give us 15 a night. It may take him 15 shots, but we know we're going to get those 15 points. And then you got to make it easier for him, which is what Steph Curry is going to do. It's going to take him a little bit. I think when you come from an organization that's been as bad as the Minnesota Timberwolves have been for the entire time he's been there, and you plug him into an organization like the Warriors, which, let's face it, a much better team, much better roster, much better coaching staff, much better front office. I mean, we don't know what the new front office in Minnesota is ultimately going to be. But you've just taken him from one of the worst situations in the league, and you've put him in one of the best. And those 12 games that he played after he was traded last year, he showed me a lot. And I am assuming that the Warriors are going to have a lot of plays that are designed to get him easy looks and to highlight the things that he's good at. He's not a bad passer. And this is a team that likes to run guys off split cuts. I could see him operating quite a bit at the wing and the elbows, actually using some of that passing. And Steph Curry pulling defense away and giving Wiggins some easy buckets. This could work. Now, certainly, it's easy for me to say that it will work, and I don't know that it will. It might. It might not. But I think Wiggins is in a much better position to succeed in Golden State than he was in Minnesota. So I want to reserve all my judgment to, like, you know, let me see what it looks like at the trade deadline. Like, how does he look after a few months playing on a competent basketball team with competent coaching staff and a competent front office and, oh, yeah, one of the, you know, 10 or 12 best players to ever play basketball? And it's funny, you mentioned the trade deadline. I think as the money pertains to Andrew Wiggins, that's where Warrior fans come off as, and this is something that's changed ever since Kevin Durant showed up in the Bay Area, is they feel like they're in on every player, as they should. When you've got an owner like Joe Lacob who's willing to pay, you start to feel like, well, boy, we could flip this contract and maybe go add a piece. Now, the piece that everybody wants is no longer on the market. That's Giannis Antetokounmpo signs the the Supermax deal. What are the odds that he finishes out that contract in Milwaukee? Because in the NBA, we see this all the time. It's like the reverse of baseball. You get paid, and then you ask out of that city, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, take the <laughs> take the most money you can get. I mean, I highly yeah, yeah. recommend that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think Giannis is just a different guy. Honestly, I really do believe that. Everything that he's done leads me to believe that he really loves being in the city of Milwaukee, and I understand that it's a business, but I never thought this guy was going to leave. It just never felt like he was going to leave. Do you remember a couple months ago there was, I don't know, there was an Instagram comment from Giannis just randomly where he was talking about Milwaukee being like his favorite place on earth. I just don't think that this guy is fake. And so no one was willing to take him at face value when he was saying all these things. And I think that it's kind of just the cynicism of the media and just how we are. Well, you know, he hasn't won a championship in Milwaukee. Why would he stay? Well, he hasn't won a championship in Milwaukee yet. And what if he doesn't? Who cares? It's a good basketball team. Not everybody wins a title. Chris Paul is one of the greatest players to ever play. He doesn't have one. Certainly he would like one, but it doesn't mean his career was worse because he didn't win one. And so I think that the media just focuses too much on that kind of stuff. And we don't think about these guys enough as human beings. 
Nikola Mirotic left money on the table to go back to Spain and play because he got traded a couple times and he didn't like it. His family didn't like it. So he left. He chose quality of life over money. Now, Giannis was lucky. He got to stay home because Milwaukee is home for him. He got to stay home and make the most amount of money. That's a win-win for him. It's a win-win for Milwaukee. It's a win-win for the NBA. It's a win-win for the CBA because this was the whole point of that Supermax was so that homegrown talent would stay home. I think it's a win for everyone. And yet we're already saying, will he finish the contract? I think he will. I see no reason why he won't. They're going to be a top three seed in the East as long as he's there. That means they're going to have a crack at a championship just about every year. I see no reason why he'd leave. I think all of those are great points, but I wonder about, you say that, you know, the media is the one who sort of puts that pressure, and I think absolutely we do in discussing, you know, whether or not a guy's going to opt out or he wants more money, and we saw Kevin Durant do that with OKC, say, and, and I think that's why everybody calls him a snake, is he leaves for the team that eliminated him after being up 3-1, they felt like he maybe had unfinished business, but you can run through the roster of great players in NBA history who who don't have a championship. You talk about Allen Iverson not getting a championship, Gary Payton didn't get one until he was like a bench player on the heat on the way out, right? So we've got all these players who have seen the last dance, right? There are two generations of <laughs> basketball players almost removed from the Michael Jordan era. How many of these players, and I'm of this age too, grew up watching Kobe Bryant chase Michael Jordan's legacy and saying, the only way you can be the greatest of all time or considered a great is by winning those championships. And I think that's where a lot of that comes into play. See, I think we're past the Kobe generation already. We're getting the Steph Curry generation. That's true. I'm a basketball coach. I've seen kids at six years old trying to be Steph Curry. This was five years ago. So we're starting to see the the Curry guys. I know Giannis is a really big fan of Steph Curry. It's funny because he kind of reminds me of Steph. This is why I thought he wasn't going to leave because I think that he wants to win a championship in Milwaukee for himself. I never expect Steph Curry to ask out of Golden State. I just don't. As long as the same ownership keeps the team and you know there's nothing crazy happening, I don't see any reason why Steph would say, you know what, I want to go chase a ring somewhere else. And I think Giannis is built the same way. That's what's unique in today's game, though, right? Basketball's the game where guys sign 10-day contracts. And, you know, you talk about Miritich being traded multiple times. It's just kind of the way the NBA has worked forever. It's just that kind of business where guys switch teams so frequently. And, yeah, the, the Supermax has changed some of that, and, and the money has gotten ridiculous. But I would say the same for Clay Thompson, honestly. I think that he's a guy who could stick around Golden State for the remainder of his career, especially after an injury like this. I think the one hang-up on that, is how much money he's going to make and what kind of players he is he going to be. This is where the asset game comes in. And I would maybe feel the same way about Steph Curry, although I'd say as far as franchise icons go, Steph is ahead of Clay. But it, it does kind of worry me a little bit that Clay, because of that contract, which is the worst contract in basketball now, hands down, but because of that contract, he may wind up having to be moved for them to remain competitive. You mean because of the money he's going to cost coming off of an Achilles injury. So Kevin Durant, though, you view differently than that. Well, <laughs> Kevin Durant, I was not expecting him to look as good as he's looked so far. I still don't love that contract just because you're only going to really get two years out of it. So you just, you know, last season, obviously he didn't play. So you just threw that $38 million or whatever it was out the window. And you really just are paying for these two seasons. My expectation was that this season was going to be a bit of a – comeback season, like working your way back into being a, a real basketball player. And then you'd get one really great season potentially in that third year. He looks pretty good. So maybe they've won that bet on that contract. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
Let me ask you this before we get out here, uh, it, just in terms of, of Kevin Durant returning, in terms of the Warriors kind of coming back to prominence, who's your Anthony Davis this year? Who was supposed to be, you know, Giannis was the guy they thought may get moved. Who's the key player that gets moved sometime around deadline day this year in the NBA draft that's going to kind of be that key swing player for the league? You know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot since Giannis signed his deal. You know, who is the next guy that we're going to put all this attention on? Bradley Beal being the obvious one. You know, that's the first name that comes to mind. There's no incentive for the Wizards to trade him at all. None. Period. You're not going to get a player of that quality, that age, under contract, with the amount of production that that he can produce. So I don't think that they're going to trade him. It would have to get very bad. And they just traded John Wall, which doesn't happen unless Bradley Beal signs off on it. I just can't imagine they would trade John Wall who is very important to that franchise and, and that community, at the behest, not the behest, let's just say with the blessing of Bradley Beal, and then go and trade Bradley Beal in the same season. Now, does that mean they wouldn't trade him next summer if someone offered them a huge package? Maybe. It's basketball. This does happen. But I don't think that that team wants to move Bradley Beal. I don't think Bradley Beal wants to be traded. I think that they've got the start of something good there. They've got a lot of really good young talent which they could potentially put together and go out and get someone else. I keep looking at Carl Anthony Towns and wondering how long is a guy that talented want to stay with an organization that has messed up his career so far. And you look at what the Wizards are building since Tommy Shepard took over there. You look at the players that they're drafting. You know, they could figure something out there. Now, I don't think Minnesota's going to trade Carl Anthony Towns. Again, he's under contract. There's no incentive to move him. But I keep looking at Carl Anthony Towns as a guy that teams are going to target soon. Unless teams are just out on him because, you know, he plays loser defense. <laughs> yeah, when guys play loser at any sort of thing, sometimes you, <laughs> yeah. you have questions about whether or not he should stay on a roster. I mean, Andrew Wiggins got traded, though. Yeah, I, it happens. Sometimes, as you said before, a change of scenery or a change of organization or a, an opportunity to prove themselves without the stigma or the monkey on his back of being the number one overall pick and, and being the face of a franchise can help a guy. Not to keep harping on Andrew Wiggins, but he's such a unique player in this era. Remember he was drafted number one and then the greatest player in the NBA, possibly greatest player to ever play in the NBA, comes to your team and writes a letter and leaves you out of it. So you got traded by LeBron James and you hadn't even touched a basketball in the NBA. I can't imagine the kind of stuff that, what does that do to you as a, as a human being? And, and now, obviously, there were questions about Andrew Wiggins' motor and all of these other things, which I actually think is a little bit overblown. But I can't imagine the, the mental hurdle just to start your career that way. Now you're in Minnesota. It's pretty cold. I mean, I know he's from Canada. David Black got to lose games before LeBron shipped him out of he town. You know what barely I mean? lost games. Basketball. Yeah, yeah, barely, <laughs> barely. Yeah, tear this thing down. I want a bunch of new players. That was just a, a crazy sequence of events, dude. Just crazy. I feel bad for Wiggins, and just as a person that likes to see human beings happy, I'm so happy that Andrew Wiggins gets a chance to, to see if he can do this and be a good player in the NBA. Because I think he's been an average-ish player. Certainly, some things he's better at than others, but. I'm excited to see what a guy with those physical gifts can do in a place that is definitely going to put him in a position to succeed.
the Warriors are going to need him, and they're going to need him to, to be successful this year. I think as as goes Steph and Wiggins' health, maybe that's how the Warriors are going to go. Certainly Wiseman's a factor in that as well. I want to ask you, before we go, you do our Mavericks uh, podcast down in, in Texas, and Luca, one of my favorite players to watch. He was great in the bubble. He's got one of the best odds this year as far as MVPs go. What are your thoughts on him as far as becoming the player that can take over the league? He's like a, a three running the point guard. He's too big for a one. He's too fast for a two. What's the deal with Luca, man? What do you think about him as an MVP? I mean, this guy is a veteran. You know, he's been playing professional basketball for a long time at this point. And by the way, his resume, pretty damn good. He's a basketball Hall of Famer if he never plays another game. Like, that's how good his resume is. And so for him to do what he's done the last two seasons is still a surprise because it's the NBA, but it's not a shock. Rookie of the year, I expected. The leap from year one to year two. Did not expect. I thought that year two looked like what I expected year five to look like for him. The learning curve, it's just like straight up for him. He makes everything look so easy. He's figured it all out. I mean, he's 6'8", and he's like 225. He's big, and he uses his size effectively. He's shown me some stuff defensively that I didn't realize he had. The sky's the limit. This guy is already one of the 10 best players in the league, which is just an insane thing to say. It's, it feels insane to even think it, but that's the truth. And so as far as the MVP race goes, he's certainly in it, but I don't think the Mavericks are going to be as good as people are expecting. Three-point percentage has got to come up a little bit, yeah? Not really. Not really. So when you create shots the way he does, he winds up taking a lot of difficult shots, end of shot clock. So he's going to put himself in a position to take the worst shot on a given possession, not on purpose, but working for other things, he winds up being his own release valve a lot. I think adding Josh Richardson is going to help quite a bit. You get a guy that you can give the ball to on the wing who can also create. They're going to probably run some Richardson, Doncic pick and roll, and we're going to be able to see Doncic get some some pick and pop threes, which is going to be very new for him. I like what they're building there. I worry that month without Porzingis is really going to hurt them. Because they're not going to have a chance to bank wins early, which a lot of teams are going to do. Like the fresh teams like Portland, Phoenix, they're going to win so many games, I think, in that first month. By the time the other teams are really catching up to speed, the teams that have been off for nine months and the teams that went late into the playoffs, I think that those teams are going to have such a built-in advantage that it's going to be tough. It's going to get late early in the playoff race. And and the Mavericks, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but – I don't believe that they're going to be a high enough seed that Luka is going to realistically have a shot at the MVP. Yeah, the stacking win situation is going to be huge early in the season. That's something I hadn't really hadn't really thought about. And you're right, Portland's a team that that's going to benefit a ton, man. The teams that made the bubble and then didn't play, right? So Phoenix makes the bubble. They play their eight games. They go home, which means they got a break. They got the hiatus. Then they got to come do a training camp. Then they got to play some games. And then they got another break. So they are kind of... And to me, they're in a, a great position to really be an outlier as far as winning games this year. They might win more games than anybody expects because they had that rest advantage and the training advantage. I put Portland in that boat because, you know, they were out of the playoffs so fast. And, you know, Dame was hurt, so he actually was out even earlier. There's a few teams that I think have a real shot at doing some stuff. The Mavericks could have, but the Porzingis injury really just it puts their back against the wall a little bit because they're going to be really, really shallow in the front court. 
Dave, you're the man. This was I told you when we had I am you on. The man. We were gonna we were gonna talk like ten minutes of basketball, dude. I can't. What did I tell I, you? You told me we were gonna go for an hour, and I wish we could. I wish we could go <laughs> for like two hours talking ball, dude. Because I'd love to get into how Phoenix got screwed. I'd love to talk more James Wiseman. I'd love to to get into the two half schedule, but we'll have to do that later in the season, man. I appreciate the time. We'll keep following you on the athletic and uh, have a good time this season, man. Yeah, I'm gonna try. What a fun conversation, man. Dave is, is just one of the best when it comes to talking basketball. You can just rapid-fire questions at him. It'll come right back with an answer for you. Make sure you give him a follow at NBA on Twitter. He'll be covering the NBA all season long, and he's coming with some fantastic takes. We'll make sure we get him on again later this season. Thank you to Dave. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening. We're getting to the end of the year. It's been a lot of fun talking the best stories in Bay Area sports, but we're not quite done yet. In fact, we're not going away over the holiday week, so make sure you stay tuned to us on Friday. Ted Nguyen, who does a lot of our film study here at The Athletic, going to come on and talk a little Raiders and 49ers. They both play on Saturday this weekend. And then next week, as we wrap up the 2020 year, we'll talk to Brian Murphy of KNBR, do a little year-in review. And then to start the new year, we'll do a year preview for 2021. So stay tuned to the update for the next week and a half as we've got plenty more coming for you. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you Friday.